It's Midday Magazine for Monday, July 24th. I'm Shelby Herbert. Petersburg's election season is right around the corner, and the borough is looking to fill 20 seats on several boards and commission. Tomorrow is the first day residents can file for candidacy. The list of positions to be filled spans a wide variety of departments, from the school board to parks and recreation to the local planning commission. The seats of Assembly members Dave Kensinger and Jeff Miucci are also up for election this year. At the time of this report, neither of them have declared whether they'll run for another term. The filing requirements for each position vary, but one is universal. In order to have your name on the ballot in October, you must be registered to vote in the borough. You also have to be a Petersburg resident, though the necessary length of time depends on the position. Some positions even require a petition. Those interested in running for the borough assembly, school board, or hospital board will have to gather signatures from at least 20 other qualified voters. All of these are volunteer positions. The two assembly seats are the only offices on the list that include any kind of compensation at $150 per regular meeting. But assembly members don't get paid for any special meetings or work sessions. Borough Clerk Deborah Thompson cautions that the assembly seats are a big time commitment, even when members are off the clock. You have community members that will talk to you downtown, at the grocery store, at the post office. They will call you. They will email you. Being that I've never been an assembly member, I wouldn't really be able to put it into an hours per day type thing. But I do know that it's a heavy load. They make big decisions. But Thompson says she appreciates all who are willing to pitch in and make those big decisions for the community. Because, um, yeah, that's how we get anywhere. I encourage everyone, anybody who thinks that it might be up their alley to join a board or commission or run for the assembly, it really helps our town. It's it's a very good way to give back to Petersburg. Anybody interested in filing for candidacy can find the necessary forms on the borough website. That's petersburgak.gov. Or they can pick up paperwork at the front desk of the municipal building at 12 South Nordic Drive. The last day to file for candidacy is Tuesday, August 22nd by 4.30 p.m. More than 100 Bristol Bay fishing crews outraged with this year's base sockeye price anchored their boats in the Naknek River entrance last Thursday. KDLG reporters were on the water, moving between protesting crews who were calling on Alaska processors to reconsider their historic low base price and bring more price transparency to the fishery. Jesse Sheldon has this report. At 9 a.m., Ivan Basarjan and the crew of his boat, the fishing vessel Top Notch, are on the water to protest this year's low price. He's fished in Bristol Bay since the late 1980s. Standing in the wheelhouse of a boat he built, he says this year's price hits hard. So this 50 cents that I get when I get home is going to be a wash. You know, I'm I'm not going to have anything in the bank city. Organizers of the protest are calling on processors to increase the base price this season of 50 cents per pound, less than half of last year's price. 
If it doesn't change, many fishermen say it's unsustainable for the industry. And some say they will go home in debt. Basarjan says he's out on the water today because he fears accepting this year's low base price will set a precedent. If they know we can fish for 50 cents, we're going to get paid 30 cents next year. This is just a peaceful protest. You know, we're not trying to block anybody or anything. You know, we're just trying to show the world that we're hurting and we need some help. Trident Seafoods was the first to post that base price on Sunday, with some handling incentives. North Pacific Seafoods announced the same a few days later, along with Peter Pan Seafoods. KDLG made repeated email and phone call requests for comment with the largest processors, Trident Seafoods, OBI Seafoods, North Pacific Seafoods, Silver Bay Seafoods, and Peter Pan Seafoods, which have not been returned. In their letter to the fleet, Trident Seafoods cites last year's record harvest as surplus flooding the market, as well as dropping consumer demand as factors in this year's low base price. Basarjan says while processors claim they are struggling financially too, he hasn't seen that. I see processors expanding. I see them buying other companies out. If you look at the scenario, kind of seems like, you know, they're putting a burden on us and they're adding up, you know, their, their profits and expanding their operations. Organizers are also calling for processors to post a base price ahead of the season. In recent years, Peter Pan Seafoods posted a price in mid-June, which was welcomed by fishermen. This year, processors did not release a price in Bristol Bay before fishing started. Now, the season is almost over. Fran Call, a longtime captain, says with prior knowledge of the low price, fishermen may have planned differently. It's very interesting that a price came out pretty much at the end of the season. And they had all our fish, right? The fish have been caught and then Trident posts 50 cents a pound. Shane Blau has been fishing in Alaska for 35 years. He fishes for Trident and helped organize this protest. His children crew on his boat in the summers, but he has discouraged them from buying into the fishery. You know, the last thing you want is your children to get strapped to hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt and then have the rug pulled out from under them. And uh, that's what's going on. I didn't think it would happen quite this way, quite this fast. Adjusted for inflation, this year's base price is the lowest recorded price in nearly 40 years, since 1984. But Blau says he's seen the quality of the fish sold to processors improve over that time. That's due to fishermen's investment in equipment and labor, according to Blau, such as refrigerated seawater and extra deckhands for bleeding fish. But he says these investments are not reflected in prices offered by the processors. And what do we get in return? We get half the price. And in my opinion, the processors need to do better. I cannot believe I've been fishing 35 years and I'm fishing for less base price than I did when I was in my teenage years. Anna Mounsey is a skipper on the fishing vessel Siren. She says younger members of the fleet, like herself, are questioning if this industry is worth buying into. Just seeing if it's even worth it with uh, just how much it fluctuates, not being able to count on making boat payments and all the other expenses that come with just starting out, being young and watching this graying fleet leave. Uh, what hope do us young fishermen have um, with the vulnerability of this market? Some fishing crews heard the news and promptly ended their season. Others continued fishing 
ending an otherwise strong season with a harvest of over 36 million fish to date. Co-reported with Christina McDermott, Corinne Smith, and Jack Darrell. In Knack I'm Jesse Sheldon. Senator Lisa Murkowski says she'd consider supporting Democratic Senator Joe Manchin for U.S. president next year. If it's a matchup between Biden and Trump, I know exactly where I'd go. I would go with, I would go with Joe Manchin. Murkowski spoke on this week's episode of the PBS show Firing Line. Murkowski is one of only seven Republican senators who voted to convict former President Trump after his second indictment in 2021. In the PBS interview, she said other Republican candidates appear promising, including Tim Scott and Nikki Haley. But Murkowski made it clear that she believes Trump is unqualified. In my view, uh, this former president incited an insurrection on the Capitol. To me, it should be it should be done. It should be over. Um, but apparently, for for many Republicans in this country, um, they have have chosen to look beyond that. West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin is an ally of Murkowski's, particularly on energy issues. He hasn't announced he's running for president, but he participated in a forum Monday in New Hampshire for a group called No Labels that's pushing the idea of a unity ticket or third option for president. Many Democrats see it as a backdoor effort to split the left, ensuring that Trump returns to the White House. While Murkowski says she'd prefer Manchin over President Joe Biden, Murkowski also said she'd have to do some serious evaluation to ensure supporting a third-party candidate wouldn't lead to a second term for Trump. KFSK has an open airwaves policy. We encourage the public to express personal opinions, ideas, and creative works. These pieces are available on our website, kfsk.org, following the scheduled radio broadcast. The views and opinions expressed are not necessarily those of KFSK. The following was submitted for broadcast by David Beebe. I would like to address concerns relating to Sea Alaska's chosen marketing catchphrase, Alaskan Natives Without Land. It begs the question, after a half century of Alaska Native Claims Settlement Act, or ANCSA, does there actually exist any native without land in southeast Alaska? Well, of course not. The passage of ANCSA literally assured there would be no native in southeast Alaska left out in an ownership stake in a for-profit corporate land claim. Besides that, every Alaska native is already a tax-paying public co-owner of the Tongass National Forest. They rely heavily on the Tongass National Forest for subsistence resources, just as the rest of rural residents of Southeast. Further, each native shareholder in Southeast Alaska has already received thousands of dollars in dividend distributions from ANCSA's liquidation and export of their ancestral forest lands as raw logs to China and elsewhere. Also, the statement is made, does the Institute for Social and Economic Research, or ISA, report actually conclude, as the Alaskan Natives Without Land website claims, the ISA report, quote, concluded that there was no reason these five communities should have been left out, end quote. 
Well, of course not. So how do we know that statement to be false? Because two of the co-authors of the ISA report have specifically stated, quote, the intent of the ISA report was not to make findings or conclusions, end quote. Further, they specifically explained precisely why these five communities were not included. Quote, Southeast villages were treated differently from other regions due to their participation in an earlier land settlement, end quote. That court decision involved millions of dollars in lands claims settlements prior to ANCSA. See Alaska's corporate CEO, lobbyists, board members, and shareholders are currently marketing legislation which would establish five more native for-profit urban township corporations in the wilds of southeast Alaska. The resulting privatization of 115,200 acres of public lands of the Tongass National Forest would be in addition to Senator Murkowski's prior legislated privatization of 70,000 acres of high biological value old growth watersheds of the Tongass. In just a few years, though, the majority of those formerly public lands of the Tongass were clear-cut, exported to China as raw logs, or otherwise monetized by Sea Alaska. Sea Alaska's CEO, Anthony Malat, recently described the several decades of native corporate clear-cutting of Tlingit ancestral forest lands as, quote, walking a path that our ancestors envisioned for us, end quote. Whether Anthony Malat speaks accurately for his ancestors is debatable. If not highly unlikely, they could have envisioned their ancestral forest lands being converted to corporate tree plantations. Decades of published ethnographic research conducted in southeast Alaska's native communities have exhaustively documented ANCSA's tragic cultural, environmental, and social consequences. The finding of anthropologists were derived over several years living and working along native families in Cake, Huna, and Heidelberg. Surprisingly, there are no news accounts of this highly relevant published research and exhaustively documented social science in either local or regional news reporting related to ANCSA coverage. This might be because the continuous clear-cuts of both native village and regional corporate tree plantations are no longer capable of providing old-growth-dependent species. These include deer and salmon, central to, in the words of one native resident interviewed, his ability to practice, quote, what it means to be native, end quote. Claims have been made by native corporate lobbyists that they will not go away, but on the other hand, neither will the record of their false assertions to establish more for-profit corporations. Thank you for this opportunity to speak. That commentary was submitted by David Beebe. KFSK encourages public expression, personal opinions, ideas, and creative works. Views and opinions expressed are not necessarily those of KFSK. The KFSK Open Airwaves policy is available on kfsk.org. And for more information, please call our general manager, Tom Abbott, at 907-772-3808.
For KFSK, I'm Shelby Herbert.